0: With guidance from the moon, the plant folk, and the ancients, the elder sisters, that's Lisa Benner and Jackie Foley, my friends, they help aspiring seekers incorporate the ways of old and sacred traditions through yoga, herbalism, Celtic myth, and ritual so they may elevate their physical and energetic well-being and unlock their inherent medicine and magic. And these two friends of mine are so magical. You're going to love this discussion today. We discuss how to move potently through the world, letting go of modality, no matter what it is, why lineage is so very important, and creating a business in three weeks. Three weeks, you all. They created their business in three weeks. This is the Creative Soulpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Demas. Let's go. Welcome back, my friends, and thank you so much for listening to the Nick Demis show. I have some really special guests. Now, I say this often, that I have some really special guests coming are on the show, but today's special guests are special for multiple reasons, like lots and lots of reasons, one of which is they're both dear loves. I consider them family close, close friends for many, many, many years. That's number one. Number two, this is the first time I've ever had two guests at the same time. We're having, woohoo! they're already at it. We're having a thruple. I've never had a thruple on a podcast. We're having our first throuple.
1: uh
0: Okay, Lisa and Jackie, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so
1: much. Thank you, Nick.
0: Okay, so this is fun for me because, like I said, you're like family to me. I I know you both so well, but the audience doesn't necessarily know you at all. Some of them will, but some don't. So I want to first start separately. You know, your individual people who have a collective business. But So I want to first hear about just a, a sentence or two from each of you about who you are. And then we'll talk about how you came together and your business. So Lisa, why don't you start?
2: I'm a human moving through this existence and this embodiment who happens to engage in life through the lens of Celtic studies, yoga, herbalism, food as medicine. And really my intention is about how can I support my own and other people's vibrancy and quality of life.
0: Yeah, One of the things that I most early on when we met remember, was that you said that you had a mission statement. You told me this very early on, that you'd written a mission
2: statement. When I was like 20 or so, I wrote the mission statement that I wanted whatever I did in my living to improve my own and other people's quality of life. The modalities of that have changed over time, maybe in their specificity, but not at their core. But yeah, that's always been my thing.
0: I mean, I love that you had that foresight. Like, even that early on at a young age to like write it out to like create it I think that's really cool and you know and talk about manifestation you basically created it
1: mm,
2: thank you that,
0: you set it out in the world and you created it
2: yeah I appreciate that you were reflecting that back to me I feel like that
0: Jackie who the hell are you
1: Well, I am also human, Um, I would say, with a little bit of magic, as I would also add to Lisa as well. But very similarly, which is part of, I think, why our partnership works so well on so many levels, also uh, have moved through living really always guided to and connected with both exploring the infinite possibilities that are available to me as well as the others around me. For me, I do as well do that through yoga and herbalism and Celtic study and magic practices um, and ritual-based practices. But I think, you know, one of the things that may be a little bit different of Lisa and I is that um, where Lisa so brilliantly had did have this clarity around sort of having a mission statement. I think for me, uh, the way that I have sort of come into myself in this way is more of been through just sort of practically speaking, spirit being like, no, you're going to help people, you're going to support people over and over and over <laughs> from the time I was little. So um, it's sort of being in engagement with people and that sort of support of their own vibrancy of ma- and magic um, has been something that's been a part of my life for a while. And then eventually, once I sort of embraced that fully, it's just been a wild, magical journey from there.
0: I can so relate to that. It's like the path of least resistance, right? Like I, I was like, oh yeah, okay. I know I'm supposed to help people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but I'm over here doing this creative stuff that I want to do.
1: Yeah, totally. Totally. And I think, you know, for me, that was, you know, one of the sort of the most defining moments of my life was, you know, as you guys know, but not everybody does. I did play music professionally and it was something that I really honestly thought was going to be my living. And I loved it. And there is nothing to me that has sort of compared to that visceral experience of um, playing in particular in an orchestra. But I recognized pretty early on, even having quite a bit of Uh, what others would call, I guess, a success, right, in music, recognizing that this was not what I was meant to be doing in this life. And there was so much more that I had to offer and to give, and um, that came in the form of supporting others in ways that I just couldn't do through music and through that sort of creative lens. So then it just became about taking that sort of huge courageous risk of leaving without having any idea what was coming next and trusting it. I will say, though, as someone
2: who's had the honor of being able to bear witness to you both, one of the things that I have learned powerfully through observing both of you is how much that creativity is the act of service and how much being in one's own vibrancy is the gift that's also being given.
0: Yeah, I, I was going to say, you know, it wasn't like you left the creativity behind. Exactly. You took everything that you had cultivated and learned, and you bring it to everything that you do. It's not possible for you not to, right? Totally. Like,
1: it's just channeling it in a way that's much more expansive than mm. music could ever be, right? Mm. Um, because in this way, it gets to serve others and myself in more of a full expression. Of you. Uh, Exactly right. And it reminds me of what we talk about
2: a lot in yoga in that the technique is meant to be dropped so that the vibrancy can be experienced or we can move through our way of being. And so all of these really potent things that, of course, are potent. That's why we do them. But at some point, they're not needed anymore. They might be picked up again or not. But the through line of creativity is like the electricity going through the wire and how that potency takes form, how that light shines or whatever that electricity starts to fuel, well, that could shift with the technique. Exactly. Right. Shift with the vessel.
0: And as I'm sitting here, I'm realizing, okay, you know, Lisa, you were an an actor first. Mm -hmm. Jackie, you were a musician first. Mm -hmm. I was an actor, director, producer first. Dancer. Dancer. And all of that brought us to yoga. All of us, our entry into other avenues was yoga as you mentioned that of the technique and then letting go of the technique what brought you to yoga like how did you find it or how did it find you is probably a better a better way of putting that
2: (laughs) I I feel a little like there's an element of being given a modality to channel what spirit already was offering But I will say that for me, one of the largest shifts in moving into yoga was about vibrancy, about self-development, about how to move potently through this world in a way that is truly about how I meet the world in this form. Mm -hmm. rather than trying to fit myself into someone else's form that I came in with you know, gifts to give. We in yoga philosophy call it dharma, but there's qualities through which we move through the world. It doesn't matter what we're doing, the act, the technique, again, whatever that is, is done with a particular quality that comes from our own spirit, our own spark, our own magic. And from that, it gets channeled into how we then touch the collective. And, you know, we've worked through a a philosophical lens that is more about the union yoga right coming more from in yoga it's called Advaita Vedanta non-dualistic so we're but we are here in this embodiment so how do we go through that potency and yoga to me took all of the other ways that I knew of asking the question of holding up a mirror about welcoming the other person into their own journey of their own development without me putting something on them either. That came through yoga. And then everything else sort of just came to life from there.
0: I fully embrace and understand that because for me, it always felt like yoga put a structure to what I was already doing.
2: I call it the jungle gym on which we play. Yeah. That structure is the jungle gym on which we play.
0: Yeah. How did you find it? Or did it find you, Jackie?
1: You know, very similarly, actually. I mean, I do think for me, there was elements of the actual technique and practices in particular, looking at meditation and pranayama that I actually, looking back, had been doing from the time I was a child. Right? Mm. so I do think that there's an element of these practices right that it's, it's something that actually is available to us even if it's not necessarily taught to us right um, and especially as children we're much closer to the veil so we're able to sort of receive those techniques and connect into our own inherent knowing right a little or at least how I found in my own life slightly easier maybe than than as an adult um but I do think so it there has been elements of yoga that's always been sort of a part even in the practices themselves but I think you know one of the way is actually that it's really found me and guided me through has been in the integration right or that aspect of union and of course it starts with oneself right and just that idea of I can take all the ways in which I've been moving through the world and here's a place or like you said like a structure in which it all comes together and then the beautiful abundance of being able to explore that and receive myself in that way and then from that integration being able to have sort of a, a way in which to guide others into exploring that own integration for themselves.
0: Yeah, I've always seen it as a path back home, which makes sense in terms okay. of, you know, as a kid, you're very open, yeah. right? Yeah, you were doing these practices that were probably, potentially, from a previous time, right? Mm-hmm. Within mm-hmm. you, within the seat of your soul. And then you, you brought that back in and here you are as a kid doing them and then you get all clouded and then you have to go back to rediscover them. We come home
2: exactly right.
0: through the through, exactly through right. the practices. So you both had these yoga journeys. You both became yoga teachers. And at what point did the two of you look at each other and say, you, we need to have a business together?
1: Yeah. You know, I think it's interesting. I think at least... For me, and, and I think I can kind of speak for Lisa on this one because we've talked about it so much. <laughs> um, but you know, there's an element of us, at least, you know, we did meet each other through yoga and sort of come into friendship and relationship and kind of almost immediately like business partnership. Sort of all at one time, it feels like the sort of lines of time or the edges of time sort of blur in this way a little bit, but it did feel pretty quick. And I, I think, you know, there very much is an element of this is not the first time we're meeting. We absolutely knew each other and have known each other for lifetimes, that which exists beyond time. And so this was really just the time that we were coming to meet each other in this physical plane, right? And this right. in this body So there was a really, it was a really lovely experience in the sense of we got to deeply know each other without knowing each other. You know, like the deeper knowing of each other was already there and then we just kind of got to discover it. But we got to discover it through experience in the sense of we sort of immediately became fast friends. We immediately started working together first through yoga and, you know, leading retreats and things like that. And then in that really discovered our mutual love. For plants and our connection to the world, our understanding and our sort of inherent way of moving through the world being a sense of animism, which is essentially where everything has a soul and a spirit. And so there is no difference or a separation or hierarchy between me and a stone, Mm -hmm. right? The stillness and the silence of stone is just as magnificent as, you know, the loud, boisterous voice that I might have in that moment, right? And so as we kind of began to recognize this sort of mutual connection in each other, the possibilities of how we could work together and the ways in which we just naturally started working together grew far beyond yoga.
2: We also discovered in each other a similar lineage, too. So there's really practical things that dovetailed while our spirits dovetailed. No, I, when we first met, I made an offering um, for conversation, and Jacques took me up on the offering for conversation. Um, it was through the lens of what was happening in the training at that time, but really it was, you know, I proposed, I made a, an availability, and then Jack stepped up. And in, instantly that recognition of spirit and the conversation around those things and the curiosity and the willingness to explore together. And then at the same time, noticing our practices we had already, our earth-based practices, our ritual practices, our moon-based draw to, practices, our, moon-based practices, our draw to our Celtic lineage, even though we have other things in our familial backgrounds and all of those things were already present.
0: To talk a bit about that Celtic lineage and why it's important to you.
1: So, I mean, for me, it's really, it's fascinating. Like I still sort of, it's one of those things when I look into myself, I still am in a bit of sort of shock and wonder in the most beautiful way my ancestry is italian and then celtic which comprises mostly at least of what i'm aware of of scotland and ireland uh descent and the italian side of my family was absolutely the most prominent growing up and it was the most present in sort of all of the ways both in the humans that were in my life but also the just any sort of cultural practices that were passed down from the time that i was very very young i always felt connected to my Celtic lineage. And there really was no reason why I should from sort of an external standpoint. It was very much an inherent sense of connection. And um, it's something that I really carried with me from the time I was very little and was always, uh, once again, similar to yoga, what I found out later being drawn to a lot of sort of cultural and lineage based techniques and practices that were coming to me as a child that I hadn't was not being taught by anyone, right? And so uh, it's something that has been really influential from the time I was quite young. And then as I moved into sort of early adulthood and through really some of the the greatest thresholds of my life and those really sort of dark death-like experiences in life, my sort of always, when I, one of the through lines that I always ended up turning to was poetry and sort of poetic philosophy and those that I turned to were of the Celtic lineage Mm. and Ireland and and Scotland and so I ended up going what I sort of hold as one of my first pilgrimages to Ireland in my 20s and in that moment it was I did go to Ireland before Scotland but it was when I put my feet onto that soil Mm. I came I mean talk about coming home In a way that I had, I mean, it it blew my mind. It was like my imagination just almost expanded a hundredfold from what it had been, what moved through me and the electricity that came through me and the lifetimes that moved through me in that moment. And I knew even in sort of my young adulthood at that point that I needed to follow that and remain connected. And then it's kind of unfolded ever since just in work and life and friendship.
2: Yeah, very similar, wasn't something, even though it was uh, referred to, my papa often talked about our Irish heritage, it was far back, you know, in the 1600s, 1700s, my family had come, but I had, it was where I was always drawn, I always wanted to go, mm-hmm. it just was a inherent pull of the soul that I didn't resist, and eventually was able to go there, and I'm Canadian. I love being Canadian. When I went to Ireland, the first time I had that same feeling of setting my foot on the ground, and I was with a dear friend who everyone always mistook us for sisters, biological sisters, also a soul sister, but biological sisters, and her family is well-grounded in Ireland, and when I landed, everyone, you know, you're at the pub for for the crack, and um, in conversation, it was always, where are you from? And I'd be like, Canada, and they're like, yeah, where are you from? (laughs) And and so then I'd start to talk a little bit about what I knew. And then they shared with me my my own history, which that's how I learned that my family would have originally come from Scotland. And from the first time I heard the words Isle of Skye, I just knew that I wanted to go there. And one of the first conversations Jackie and I ever had was about that truth. And that's how we started leading retreats there and spending more time in Scotland. But yeah, inherent, like in the electricity of the cells, for sure.
1: We actually came to realize in that conversation that we had both been deeply drawn to Isle of Skye separately, well before we knew each other. And, you know, it's it's a very small, yet incredibly magical isle off the mainland of Scotland. And so to be so... Intensely drawn to this one place within Scotland was again just a beautiful confirmation from spirit of okay, there's more to be done here.
0: Yeah, I mean honestly, before you two announced your retreat, I'd never heard of it before. I had to go look up where is this?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where are they going? <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. 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 And then I saw the the photos of you know, I mean, your trips, and my goodness.
2: We like, often say I mean, so don't believe in fairies before you go there you definitely will once you stand on that land yeah yeah magic magic incarnate
0: then came elder sisters Mm. what was apothecary but really elder sisters the brand elder sisters as we've been working on but elder sisters apothecary came how did that come about and sort of why What, what was the impetus
1: You know, I think there was an element, as we had both sort of mentioned before, of us both really being connected to nature and the world around us beyond just the human form. And, you know, Lisa worked quite a bit with food as medicine and in connection in that way, as well as just, you know, being in the world in sunsets, things like that. And I'll let you talk more about that. And for me, I think, you know, there was an element of just relationship with the plants and the trees and at times in my life sometimes more deeply than humans actually and that sort of exploration of kinship um, and connection again beyond just the human form uh, and the understanding of the potency and the power of that connection and learning to speak that language and so there was an element I think for both of us separately and then eventually together where those around us recognize within us those qualities and would come to us for certain things. You know, you have a cold. Oh, let me go ask Jackie for a tea. You know, like I have a, I'm, I feel like I'm, you know, my sister is getting the flu. So what can I give to them?
0: I love this on so many levels because I always say to people when they talk about having a business, I'm like, what do people ask you for?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this was something that as we were doing all of the other things that we, you know, in the various epochs of our lives of separately and together acting, music, eventually yoga, all of those things, this was happening again, separately and together. And then it was starting to expand kind of on its own. Like, as in, it was now expanding beyond just our friends or the people who knew us. But then it was they were telling their friends and their family, and then that was expanding beyond that. And we're like okay. and our students, our students, and whatnot. So we had, we had talked for a while about, you know, the possibility of making it a thing without really being serious about, okay, what do we need to do to start a business in this way? And we had obviously played with blends and various things that we had been working with for a while for ourselves, for our loved ones, for the people around us. But then, and I'll let Lisa take over so, here. Well,
2: I used to manage a couple of yoga studios but there's one in particular that um, I loved dearly and uh, had a holiday market every year and one year I made fermented mustard because fermentation is a large part of how I work with someone nutritionally in terms of re-inoculating the gut and all of that gut health so I had one year for the holidays made fermented mustard and given it to people as gifts and the yeah. <laughs> I wish people could see Nick's face right it's now.
0: It's so freaking good. That's why. <laughs> it
2: is mustard. Yeah. And so the owner of the studio, who I deeply respect, and I often say I'm not a particularly obedient person, but when Marcella said this, I listened. She said, I want a case of that mustard and you're selling it at the holiday market. And so, and I oh, obey. Yeah. Yes. Margella. and so I had a table and so I'd done that for a few years and I sold a few different kinds of fermentations of hot sauce and other things that I made and so I had a table for and I would think it was the third year I had the market and literally about three weeks before the first market I looked at Jackson I was like well I have a table Do you know I just want to throw some things up and see what happens and she's like okay so in three weeks and um and actually I I saw that you um you actually just gave a shout out to Amy.
0: Amy. As, I
2: yeah. So Amy, a dear friend of ours as well, helped us in three weeks she created our logo, which is another beautiful story or our sigil as yeah. it can be called. And we picked our packaging and we did what we could do in three weeks. We named ourselves.
1: Of, we named we ourselves.
2: Know. We named our products. We, uh, we could only do things that were basically herbal blends because a, a most, a lot of the things you make take a minimum of six weeks to sit. We only had three. And when all of the things we made to go through, we thought it would carry us with the three weeks of the market sold on the first weekend. And so we were like, well, I guess we got something here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I, there's so many
0: things to love about this and that you didn't ever think it. You just went and did it. You had a deadline, which is always a good thing, you know, and you created it and then it sold out. Yeah. It didn't get any better than that. Yeah. All in three weeks.
1: Yeah. It was pretty magical. It was spectacular. I think for me, there's a level of even just looking back and it still brings so much joy. I mean, we've told this story so many times and yet we're both sitting here glowing. Yeah, you really are. But I think there's this beautiful, again, recognition of just truly the possibilities that are available to each of us Mm -hmm. and that journey alongside of us. And if we can do those very things that you just said, Nick, try not to overthink, release some of the sort of human things that can get in the way and just take a risk and see where it carries us. You
0: didn't have attachment
1: to outcome. And
2: it reminds me of something that we've talked about with you quite a bit, too, in all of our individual and collective experiences is the listening to spirit Mm -hmm. and following the guidance. And if we're doing our work in order to have that open connection, and this goes back again to what you talked about, why yoga? Because for me, yoga really created a clarity in tapping back into intuition and in under discerning the, I always say, discerning the difference between intuition and whim. Because so much, the rhetoric I hear a lot is around, you know, doing only what feels good or following in. And that to me is whim instead of clarity, right? And so learning how, what are the steps in terms of learning clarity to really be able to tap back into one's own intuition and to listen to spirit and that guidance starts to put into play things that are needed later. And that's been a huge part of this last year this transition of the reason why what's been able to come together and has become elder sisters instead of only elder sister or not only, but but what launched is elder sisters apothecary is because listening to spirit had that foundation in play. And there was, uh, there was somewhere to step. There was ground that appeared beneath our feet as we took the step. And clarity doesn't always feel good. No.
1: Well, I was just going to say that, Nick, you know, and thank you for bringing that up because it doesn't always feel good and it's also it also asks quite a bit. I mean, yes. even though there's so much joy for us as we talk about those sort of first 3 weeks as we sort of made this business in 3 weeks, there was also a lot of discomfort. I mean, it was, you know, 23-hour days, it was an incredible investment financially for two of us, both of us that, you know, we were yoga teachers. We didn't have a huge, you know, sum of savings to put in. And, you know, there was a lot that was asked of us individually and together in our relationship and our partnership and all of those things that we needed to pour in and trust spirit that, you know, okay, we're engaging, we're listening, here we are.
0: I was just having a conversation with another client that. Manifestation is downward energy.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: It's right. the Devi, right? Yeah. Not the Deva. Correct. We're going into embodiment, not not towards consciousness. We're taking consciousness to us. Right.
0: To- We're taking consciousness
2: yeah. downward. Yeah.
0: And it's not always just do what I feel. It's I got I I gotta do these things in order for this to happen.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I also think the back, at least for me, back to that you know, what we were talking about earlier in your inquiry around our journey, that understanding how I meet the world, Jack's learning how she meets the world. What's this embodiment of spirit? How does our fragment of the universal soul play out in this living? That is vital in order to figure that out. And that usually requires shedding because we have been taught To fit ourselves into and to go the the reverse, not to have the self show up, but to put the self into another expectation. To me, it's the difference between spirituality and in many cases, religion is dogma, which is what's really interesting. Yoga practitioners, we're moving away from dogma. There isn't a checklist. We're moving toward one's own responsibility right? Figuring out how we move through the world. And that often requires a shedding. And that is not always pleasant. Sure. Sometimes there's that <sighs> release moment, but most of the time there's a purification that's happening.
0: The purification is painful. Release. Let's just be, let's just be honest. Yeah. go through the processes, it, it ha- correct. The pressure and the heat create that.
1: I mean, magic, alchemy, yeah, yes. pressure and heat. Well, And I think, you know, to build on what you're saying, Lisa, is that, you know, there's an element, too, of in that knowing of oneself and how I or you individually meet the world and what our gifts are to the world. In particular, in those moments or times of shedding, there's also that necessary aspect of being willing to not know. Mm, and yeah. to not need answers or think one knows the answers and also to not name too early. Mm. And so to be able to be in the unknown aspects, even of oneself and one's relationship with the world. And in that, then the world gets to meet me or meet you and meet us in a way that carries us into the next epoch of our life or the next identity or the deeper layer. Uh, The layer underneath where we had just been of who we are and how we're moving through the world and meeting the world and how the world is meeting us. So it's that beautiful sort of juxtaposition or connection of knowing and not knowing.
0: And that's why you were perfectly set up for entrepreneurship.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly.
0: Every piece of what you had learned before brought you to this point, right? Mm -hmm. You couldn't have done this business without all these pieces from the previous exactly and experiences Mm
2: -hmm.
0: tell me about the products tell me about the creation tell me about how this happens help me understand it
1: (laughs) 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 oh sometimes it's a dream (laughs) (laughs) literal and actual dream we do really listen. We listen to what's around us. And so when it comes to what we make and how we make it, it does not come from our thinking brains at all. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it does literally come in dreams. Uh, sometimes it comes from talking to the trees and the plants, which we both do every day. Of course, there's a sense of, of a knowledge base and a wisdom, uh, you know, of the, the science and, and the sort of known knownness, I like to make up words, uh, knownness of the plants, right, and what they do and how they can support us. But I think really, ultimately, it's about connection and listening, in particular in the nonverbal ways. And that is when we get to become the channel for things to come in. And usually, I would say, 99% of the time, if we're crafting something together, we sort of have this beautiful little psychic ability of, we kind of have the same thing yeah. uh, that drops in, mm-hmm. and we'll sort of name it almost together. And um, we'll also
2: take time to, yeah. especially working with individuals when we're crafting something specifically for to meet an individual. Uh, we always meet with them and have a conversation together, but then we'll uh, we each take time on our own and sit with it, contemplate it, ask Spirit to give us guidance, and then come back together. And most of the time. It's either we come back with the same thing or we come up, come back with a core of something that overlaps and then beautiful complementary things to add in. Yeah. But it does come from study, from experience, from, you know, one of, I love, one of the first times I ever sat with the woman that we eventually did our herbal apprenticeship with, and we did do a three-year apprenticeship.
0: Yeah, I think that's important for people to understand that you're very yeah. studied. I, I want to make that yeah, super yeah. clear that it's not that you're pulling stuff from wherever. You're you're very studied humans. I want to make that yeah. super clear. In
2: uh, in all of the things yes. that uh, in all of the components of what we bring into how we bring things together, yeah, we and most of that deep study has been traditional, mm-hmm. going back to lineage, tapping into ancient and old ways. Calling in the guidance of the ancestor and and being with spirit again in that way, but I remember when the first time I took I sat I took a workshop with her to see if that was where I wanted to pursue in terms of my study, and she would give us a drop of a tincture and have us take it, put it on our hand and have us take it internally, lick the tincture and take it in, and then ask us our experiences. So again and you know. This is also our approach yogically. Mm-hmm. Experience something. What is your experience through that technique or that thing? And rather than trying to fit us into some, what someone else tells us it's going to do. And so there's very much study, but also study that allows for personal experience and to learn how to listen, to learn how to ask questions, to be engaged in a relationship and a conversation with the being, whatever the being.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, I think one of the things, and this is obviously just a, a personal opinion, but I, one of the things that I've really witnessed and seen in sort of Western herbalism and just how it sort of unfolded is this moving more and more towards the science and the physical aspect of even just how the plants can physically support us, getting further and further away from the plants as a whole being. And the understanding of the, you know, the emotional and the spiritual aspects of the plants themselves mm-hmm. as an individual mm-hmm. being and then how that whole being can integrate and be in relationship and connection with me or with us Or, you know, those that we're supporting. And so I think one of the things that both Lisa and I, as we're sort of talking in all the ways of which we come to this work and, and sort of this way of living, because it really is a way of living, is being in that fullness. So yes, of course, the study and the deep willingness to humble oneself as an apprentice to, I think, anything that we're doing in living, Mm. um, to deepen our knowledge, to learn from the elders is, almost just an inherent part of the way we both move through the world. And that creates a beautiful foundation in which then we can be in the fullness of relationship. And so that's really what I think we strive to bring into what we then offer out. I know you're going to say. No,
0: I was just going to say, and so then now you are the elders, right? You're (laughs) literally the elder sisters, but you're the elders offering the gift to the next generation or the next person. Doesn't necessarily need to be generation. You could be the next seeker, the next truth teller. Yes. That is now part of your offerings as well. Am I right? Yes.
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, one of the things that we've really moved into and how Elder Sisters has sort of unfolded just as much as we have is moving into this integration of the work and the study and the living and the being and the breathing that we both have done both collectively and individually. And so we have sort of integrated all of the practices and whatnot that we have moved through and taught and guided in really this recognition of they actually all come from a very, very, very similar root. And so whether we're looking through the lens of yogic practices or we're looking through herbalism, in particular traditional herbalism, we're looking at, uh, you know, Celtic, because that is our lineage and our study, Celtic practices and ritual based practices, earth based practices from that lineage. The root of all of those ancient ways is essentially one right and so what it allows us to do is to have an even more expansive way of meeting people again in that support of one's own vibrancy so these are the ways in which we can offer out and support and so usually in our work with individuals um, it really is truly based on what resonates for them um, what they connect to and then also the ways in which we feel like we can serve them and help elevate them as they move deeper into themselves.
2: We've also for a long time yogically been, you know, honored with being in the position of being the teacher of teachers. And so we're calling that forward now too, in terms of creating an apprenticeship, a two year apprenticeship program that people can can, uh, participate in and work with us in learning again, how they can carry those things forward in their
0: own lives. It's funny that you say that because just yesterday I was thinking about that, that, you know, Lisa, you and I have been teaching, I don't know how long you've been teaching teachers, Jackie, but Lisa, you and I have been teaching for a decade, yeah. you know, teaching the teachers. And I realized that in my own business, that's what I do now. I hadn't really mm-hmm. put that together until just two mm-hmm. days ago. So here you are confirming that even within our collective, that's a bit of, mm-hmm. of who we are. Yeah, I really appreciate that you honor that, that you see that, and that you are sharing that, that you are collaborating with those who are ready.
2: Yeah, the intention is we will launch, uh, it's not on our website yet, but it will be shortly, but the program will start at the spring equinox, vernal equinox.
0: Beautiful. In March. Yeah, it's really exciting. It's really exciting. It's been um, such a great pleasure as your friend, as your business mentor, to watch your evolution and see you all fully step into yourselves and the business as a whole and as business owners. What advice do you have for anybody out there who might be trying to figure that out or they're maybe struggling with their mind around it or how how to do it? What advice would you have?
2: You said one thing earlier, which is what did people ask of you? What lights the individual up and what do people come to you around? Follow that, ask questions about that, explore that, and uh work with you, <laughs> Nick Bimo. <laughs> yeah. I'm not kidding. It's 100%. I mean, the thing that's beautiful around that is that we are clear about what our strengths are. Mm-hmm individually and collectively and how we work together. And then there are the things that we, that don't necessarily let us up, but that we can figure out how to do and how to gather, you know, community that supports the things that we're not great at or that we need to reframing on. Or, you know, there was one time really, really early when marketing was something so hard for both of us. I remember one of the really basic things it was, I think it was like, common marketing thing is give, 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 take. And, and you watched my, like my whole body just had a visceral reaction to that um, idea. And you said, what about serve, serve, serve exchange? And both of us relaxed. We're like, we can do that. Right. You know, like having people who excel, who have insight and vision for the things that round out what's necessary is vital.
1: I agree. I mean, I think, you know, if you're somebody, whether you're looking to start a business on your own or with somebody else, you know, you're not alone. It's not just you or you and that other person. There is a community and community is necessary, like in anything else. Um, And community that really helps you both step into the vibrancy of you, but also that. I would say doesn't hold you back either, right? That really elevates you just in the presence of being with one another. Mm. Um, The other thing I would say that I would offer is actually comes very much from, so one of those poets that I was talking about earlier, that has been a part of my life for a long time, David White. Um, Mm. And I've gotten Lisa on board with him too. Um, But he talks about, there's a poem called start close in and it, roughly starts as start close in, don't take the second step or the third, start with the first thing close in, the step you don't want to take. Mm. And so for me, any time that I, whether it was in the beginning or in those crazy moments of having to do the marketing and the website and battle with Squarespace and all of those things, feel the overwhelm. I just try to remind myself of that, even just that line in the poem and to hone it back, and the recognition that the overwhelm is actually the magnitude of myself, of Lisa and what we're creating, yep. and that's actually something to celebrate correct right it's the it's the amazingness of that we are co-creating with it's experience. the bigness of your vision, exactly, mm-hmm. and so in those times of overwhelm. Just come back in, take that one step, take the step that you don't want to take because that is the courageous step. And most likely the step that you need to take, but all it means is one step. That's it. And then the next. Love that. May I offer one more thing? Yeah, please. It's not pie. Yeah. To remember to bring
2: back to the mental mind frame that it's not pie. And there is all kinds of room for generosity that If you share some, do you know what I mean? You know why I'm like
0: looking at you like this, because in my my Conscious Money Manifestation course, I use the pie, I use pie, like literally my grandmother's pie as the example.
2: Of course you do, (laughs) because we love each other and have for a long time. But it's not pie, right? (laughs) To me, that's really important because... And we have really, I will say, seen it so clearly in the relocation that we've done to upstate New York of how much generosity there is, how much the community here really supports each other and serves each other up. And also in supporting each other, really wants to meet the need of the client, right? So it's like, if I'm not the best teacher for you, I want you to find the best teacher for you. Oh no. to your thing I want your elevation right and if if our tea's not the best tea blend for you I want you to go find the one that is and maybe with our own vastness of community and the beautiful expansive number of people that we've got to work with or commune with or study with or guide over the years we might even know someone who is that resonance and to come from a place that it's not pie, we can share, just opens up. So I, I remember someone I worked with that moved more from a place of fear would often look at me and be, I know, I know, I know, I know. You said you'd think if I had an open hand, I could both give and receive. And I'm like, what? Yep. You've heard me, right? I do, And I really believe that's true that sort of that generosity is the foundation of flow. Absolutely.
1: My last one more thing <laughs> is I think also to just to remember or to at least hold close that with all the people that came before you and died before you, no one has the particular coloration or tonality that you are. Mm-hmm. No one can give to the world what you can just by being you. Mm-hmm just by taking another breath, no matter what you make or do or want to offer or are dreaming up in this moment. And so to just simply remember your magic, your vibrancy, or whatever the word is that lights you up, Mm -hmm. that expresses that uniqueness of you, no one else has it.
0: Yeah, a friend of mine is writing a book, and a book got published, very similar book got published, just like, a week ago, and she sent me this photo of it, and and I wrote her back and said, "Uh
2: (laughs) (laughs) uh-huh.
0: I said, clearly there's need for it. Yeah. But your unique channel will be your unique take on this material. Yeah. And that's exactly what you both are, are unique, beautiful channels that have merged together at times and found a way to bring your beautiful offerings to the world. So what are those offerings? Because I know after listening to this, people are going to want to find you. There's no question in my mind. So first of all, what are some of those offerings? And then where can we find you?
1: Absolutely. We do have an herbal apothecary. We function both as an online store as well as in person at markets and events and things. Uh, But you can find us wherever you are in the world. We have um, all of our products we make in ritual and by the phases of the moon that best support those remedies. We do offer things in the store. We also do do customs. We work with people individually. We offer yoga classes. We offer ritual-based events and workshops, herbal medicine-making workshops. We will be offering the apprenticeship this uh, coming spring, which is a two-year program that really sort of culminates back into that root of everything that we do and that we offer. And really that idea of coming back, coming into the root of these practices brings us back home or into the root of ourselves.
2: If people look at the website, you can see that there's the, you know, product oriented portion in the shop and then there's sacred study. And under sacred study are the opportunities both for yogic study, you know, the full range from individual practices, from daily sadhana practice. Um, which is a practice for one's own self-development, drop-in classes. There's a whole range. And then also our herbalism and ritual study. All of those
1: opportunities are there.
2: And
0: what is that website?
1: It's Mm -hmm. www.eldersistersapothecary.com. We are on Instagram, Sisters Apothecary, as well as Facebook.
0: Doing some reels. Doing some reels on the Instagram.
2: We started the reels, and y'all, Nick is right. Right, yeah.
1: Do your Reels. That's the other thing. If you're a business owner, listen to Nick. Do your
0: Instagram Reels. Well, it all depends on your business, right? Depending on your business. But for your business, Instagram Reels, y'all.
2: Reels. We were sitting there as soon as we posted the first one and just watching the reaction happen, being like, he's not lying.
1: He's not, <laughs> lying. He's not <laughs> lying. He's not lying. He's <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so
0: here's the thing. I could talk to you all forever, clearly.
2: All day. All day. All day. All day. So I'm
0: going to have to have you back for part two very, very really? soon if you're, of course, willing to come and chat. Oh, my
1: always. goodness. Of course. It's always an honor, Nick. So
0: thank you both for an insightful conversation and for sharing a bit of your story, your background. And I'd love to come have you, like I said, have you come back and dive into some specific topics now. Thank you both so very much. Love you both. Love you so. Thank you all so very much for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. And of course, Send a DM to the sisters and uh, let them know your favorite moment of today. And as well, meet if you have any questions or comments for us, we are definitely here for them. So thank you all so much. See you next time.